episode 23, chapter 2 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Christine Sign is the founder and facilitator for Godspace, which grew out of her passion for creative spirituality, gardening, and sustainability. Together with her husband, Tom, she is also co-founder of Mustard Seed Associates. She describes herself as a contemplative activist, passionate gardener, author, and liturgist. She loves messing with church traditions and inspiring followers of Jesus to develop creative approaches to spirituality that intertwine the sacred through all of life. Christine is inspired by Celtic Christian spirituality, which has opened her eyes to the God who is present in every moment every experience, and every place. Her book, The Gift of Wonder, Creative Practices for Delighting in God, is a great tool for learning to connect with what God is doing in the everyday moments of your day. In a former life, Christine trained as a physician in Australia, practiced in New Zealand, and developed and directed the healthcare ministry for Mercy Ships. She no longer practices medicine, but delights in guiding people toward the health and wholeness of God's new world. For those of us who've been in the church for a long time, we have a tendency to get complacent with the presence of God. The sermons, the prayers, and the routine becomes too familiar. The real problems of our adult lives tend to crowd out the childlike joy and fun we used to experience in life and as well as in the church. We lose the awe and wonder we once had of who God is. But in this chapter, Christine helps us recapture that sense of childlike awe and wonder, and she shows us that our God wants us to delight in Him through childlike play. It is a real struggle, particularly for me to understand, to wrap my head around, that God actually likes me, like you said, in a very specific, not just a generalized way. It's really easy to sort of accept that, yeah, God loves all of His creatures, He loves His people, that's why He made us, but... uh Really, when we come face-to-face with ourselves in the mirror, when we're taking some good, long, introspective looks at ourselves, and that's why this idea of, of learning to delight in God, to give Him pleasure so that, you know, and then we can derive pleasure from His presence is so transformative. And it's why I like this idea that you, you have in the book. You have this idea of why we need to become like children uh-huh. in order to learn to, to delight in God. Because children have a way of living their lives. They have a mindset that they're not worried about these things. Like once we get into adulthood, we start sort of feeling the stress and the weight of life. And so, um, yeah, what does it mean to to learn to be like children when we approach God? Well, it, it's interesting because this, this was the key, obviously, to um, writing this book. Uh, you know, Jesus says, uh, unless you become like children, you cannot enter the kingdom. And I think we would be surprised to see how many times it is that he actually says something like that. Um, it's not just once. Uh, and I think when um, I, um, I started to think about this, I actually posted the question on Facebook. What do you think, um, you know, what do you think of the characteristics that we need to uh, and the king, what childlike characteristics. And I was amazed. I mean, I probably had close to 100 responses to my question. And I mean, everything. The, the number one thing that people said was trust. 
but there were so many other things that people said. Uh, awe and wonder, imagination, curiosity, nature. And so I sifted through the list that people had sent me and I chose the 12, either the 12 that I found most interesting or that occurred most commonly. And I did some research and this was what it was that um, in a way you could say it blew my mind away as I started to get into these things. And I thought, wow, no wonder Jesus said we need to become like children. Uh, it's not, you know, just this. It, it's not that we need to become childlike. It's need that I think it's that we need to develop the characteristics of children. And of course, there are, you know, there's a difference between those two. And I think sometimes we uh, get confused because we think, oh, Jesus is saying we, we need to become childlike. Uh, but I think we need to develop the characteristics of children. Um, and as I said, it was amazing. This is where I think it was an advantage for me uh, to have my, my training as a medical doctor because I could look into scientific and medical kind of research, looking at things like play, the impact of play, the impact of awe and wonder, uh, it, yeah, a love of nature, all of these things, and just seeing how uh, I think it improves our health physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Um, and so that's what I explore in the book. What, what, uh, which one of those characteristics of a child kind of, uh, was the most challenging for you to, uh, accept as something that you needed to develop on your own? Oh, that's a very good question. Um, I would think, uh, probably trust, you know, I think trust in many ways is the hardest for all of us, you know, to, uh, to really trust in God. Um, in the way that children do, you know, I mean, if mum and dad say something, uh, you, you know, that, that kids believe it, you know, I mean, and of course, one of the challenges that kids faced is the disillusionment of realizing they can't always trust what mum and dad say. But I think that that childlike trust, uh, and maybe because we lose that childlike trust, it's one of the hardest things uh, to regain. But boy, is it important. Uh, you know, it, it is so important. It's, it's, but it's the hardest one that I looked at, I would say. Which one do you think comes most naturally to you? Like you just normally do this? Um, I would say awe and wonder. Uh, it, it's been fascinating to me. That's one of, been uh, one of my favorite kind of ongoing experiences since I wrote the book. I talk about the power of awe and wonder. Uh, and, of course, I was writing the book actually at the time that we had the solar eclipse uh, in, what, 2017, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, I, I live in Seattle, and we were right in the path. Uh, I mean, we had, what, 98%, I think, coverage. And so the awe and wonder that that experience elicited from people was just incredible. And there was a lot of research that came out at the time, uh, which was fascinating, that talked about how a daily dose of awe and wonder makes us more caring and compassionate people. Um, it talked about how um, it, it can bring healing for, for people with PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, uh, and for other problems as well. So that to me was fascinating. And as a result of that, my husband and I uh, started to call our daily walks our awe and wonder walks. And so as we would walk, we would point out to each other the things that gave us a sense of awe. 
Uh, and it was an absolute delight. We're still doing it. Uh, in fact, I think we probably do it more than ever now. And it's it's just open our eyes to the delight of of delight of God's world and to the delight that God takes in in the world and the delight that God also takes in us as we do something like this. So that has really been fun. Um, so is that all it is? We just walk around and we notice things and say, <laughs> oh, look at that. It, or walk somebody through who has never, never experienced this before and tell us how they can begin to maybe practice awe and wonder in their lives. Well, I mean, I like the walk idea, but uh, yeah, just explain it a little bit more. It, it is. Um, in, in some ways, it is as simple as that. But I think that there are, obviously there's a, um, a formation that you have to go through. I think firstly, awe and wonder means we have to slow down in order to take notice. That's probably the basic foundation of awe and wonder because people that rush through their days and are constantly distracted don't have time for awe and wonder. In fact, I've had people say that to me. Oh, I don't have time for that. You know, I'm, I'm too busy. And I think oh, it's so sad that we do live in a world that is too busy. Um, but the, yeah, slowing down, taking notice, uh, and then responding to the things that give us goosebumps, <laughs> I think in particular, uh, you, you know, it is, it's really in many ways as simple as that. And I think that you'll find that when we start doing that, it's kind of like, oh, I want more of this. I want more of this. I want more of this tends to be the way that we feel. At least that's how it's been for us. And for a lot of people that I've shared this with and who have taken up the practice as well, I think there's been a similar kind of response to it. You know, it's fun because you mentioned the, uh, the solar eclipse being one of those moments. And Chris and I actually went with my dad. And we drove uh, a couple hours away. We live in Springfield, Missouri. And so totality was only 45 minutes to an hour away from us. And so uh, uh-huh. we, we decided we were going to take the day off work and, and drive up to this middle of nowhere town in uh, mid-Missouri and watch it. We actually watched it from a cemetery. Uh, oh, wow. And there were a few other cars around us. But I will never forget uh, just the moment when the moon crossed right in front and you go from a dim dusk light light to totality. Uh-huh. And I, re- I distinctly remember in that moment thinking the, just the number of different variables that have to take place for us to observe this phenomenon right here in this moment. It, it, it's just crazy. And I, I think for me, developing that sense and awe, of awe and wonder is it comes most naturally when I look at something that I don't fully understand. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I and I and I try to wrap my mind around it and realize that I can't fully grasp what's going on. Uh-huh. Uh because yep. then it takes me out of myself, something that I control. And it reminds me that God, who is who is bigger and more infinite than I definitely am, uh is doing something around in the world around me that uh-huh. is bigger than I could have ever imagined. Exactly, yeah. And, of course, kids have that sense all the time. You know, I mean, everything uh, is that sense of, oh, look at this, you know, be it uh, a, a drop of dew on a leaf to a tiny insect, to you, you name it. I mean, they're constantly in awe uh, because it is, it's, it's like they've never seen it before. 
Uh, and of course, this is the thing that is so important, I think, that we we lose as we get older, you know, and, and, and of course, they'll take time for it. I mean, I think it's interesting that you were willing to take the day off and take the time uh, to drive 45 minutes in order to fully experience this. Um, and, and how often do we do that, you know? Um, and yet I think that we would be much better people <laughs> oh, yeah. in a lot of ways if we if we were willing to do that on a regular basis. But even, um, you know, even doing um, simple things. I mean, it was interesting, some of the research that came out, Berkeley University did research where they looked at, uh, they had people go and stand in amongst a grove of um, eucalyptus trees, one group, and they had another group that just, I think they stood on the concrete uh, pavement. And then they kind of uh, did this experiment where basically they had people walk past them and drop books. And they found that the people that uh, had been in amongst the eucalyptus trees and experienced awe and wonder were much more likely to help than the people uh, who had stood on the pavement, you know. And so we need these experience of awe and wonder to really help us to respond to the people around us, you know. And the con conjecture is that it makes us aware of the fact that we are part of uh, a world that is much bigger than we are. Um, you know, I think there's more to it than that. But, uh, you know, that was kind of part of what they um, kind of were puzzling out of their research as to why does this make a difference? Because there's no really legitimate reason for it. And yet it is a powerful kind of thing. It really is. So one of the things that you talk about and you just brought up was like how children play. And uh -huh. I was really convicted by even this idea of, of all in wonder, because again, I have uh, three little children who do, well, two of them do this now. Well, actually my one-year-old is starting to, and everything is all in wonder, like you were uh -huh. saying. And so I'm really challenged and felt convicted to like, you know, when they're, we'll go outside and it's like a whole adventure for them of like, daddy, look, here's a dandelion daddy, you know? And, and uh, I'm fascinated in the similar way of play because there is a lot of research that have come out and you uh -huh. talk about it in the book for even play. Uh -huh. And it really does. It feels like as we grow up, we sort of, we forget who we are. Uh -huh. So talk to us a little bit about this, this spiritual practice of learning to play again, even <laughs> as adults, because there's a big stigma attached to it of like, yes, I'm an adult. I have to be serious and I have to do things now. And man, I just can't help but wonder how much better our lives would be if at our nine to five jobs, we would have recess in the middle of the day and <laughs> go out and play. Like how much oh, I, better would our lives be? I, I think it, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, because it's true. You know, um, the um, Stuart Brown, who's the uh, director of the National Institute for, for Play, says that nothing lights up our brain like play. In fact, he believes it's as important as oxygen for our survival. Uh, and, and somebody else I was reading said that they believe that play is God's greatest gift to humankind. And I think, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah. we, we let go of it. You know, we don't do it. Um, and they say that three kinds of play are necessary for us. You know, there's object play where we play with objects, obviously. Uh, there's social play uh, where we we play with people. Uh, and there's, you know, the movement kind of play. I'm, I'm sorry, I've, I've forgotten the name of it. But, you know, the, there are these three 
kinds of play that we need. Uh, and I, I think it's true, you know, because play, they say, has uh, has given us so much. You know, it is the way that we um, socialize with people. It's given us dance. It's given us music. Uh, it's it's given us so much creativity. I mean, you think of the, the, the movies we love to watch. I mean, it's play, really, that's given us those kinds of things. Um, and so, you know, you think and, and um, they say, too, that play is what tells us that somebody is safe to be around. Um, in other words, you know, and I think of that, I think, uh-huh, <laughs> you know, maybe <laughs> we would have a little less hate in our world if we played together, you know. Um, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it is, a, it, World Cup soccer is just starting. And one of my greatest memories is of sitting together in Africa, in Ghana, with people literally from all over the world. Uh, I mean, you know, enjoying watching other people play. I mean, the, the socialization that went on there, the way we bonded together uh, and the way that we became um, important friends in many ways, uh, was just phenomenal. And I think that that is a, an example. Now, of course, unfortunately, that kind of play can be more competitive than play. But I think even so, you know, it, it can be an important, important form of socialization for all of us. And I think, you know, I think God wants us to do this. God wants us to participate with each other in these kinds of ways. Your challenge today is to play a game. It doesn't have to be sports, board games, or video games, but it does have to be fun. We so often think the Christian life is a somber life of following Jesus as we wait for eternity. But I want to challenge you to think differently about that today by playing a game with someone else or with a group. At least once during this game, take just a moment to think about this activity as something God enjoys as well. He created fun and games, and it's a good thing for you to enjoy them. Take time to appreciate the good feelings that having fun brings to your body and mind, and let that fill you with a sense of awe and wonder that God would create you just so you could enjoy Him and the good things He gives you. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Christine and her work, check out godspacelight.com. 
Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Christine talks about some of the ways we can have fun with spiritual disciplines. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.